Welcome everyone to Church in the Wild, and this uh, episode we have for you today is a special one. We have my good friend, professor, and overall amazing guy, Dr. Gary Bashirs uh, at Western Seminary. We're sitting here in his office up in Portland, Oregon, and uh, we're going to have a really cool conversation today about an important topic, uh, which Gary taught me several years ago now, back when I was one of his students, which is known as the four D's. The four D's. So those of you that don't know Gary Bashirs, he is probably one of the unique guys in our country who probably has a foot in just about every definable camp within the Christian church there ever could be. So there's not many guys that can roll around with Catholics and Charismatics and Baptists and uh, Pentecostals. The Baptists are the hard ones. The Baptists, the Baptists are the hard ones because <laughs> I are a Baptocostal. And, yeah. You're a Baptocostal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. an interesting term. <laughs> there you go. But you, you roll everywhere. And you find a way to kind of bring some kind of cohesion to those groups. And even the classes you teach and even the cohort I was in with you comprised of guys of all kinds of different traditions mm -hmm. and backgrounds and, and so forth. And so um, I've watched you bring um, unity out of a lot of diversity and kind of laying a fair ground for everyone to really discuss meaningful issues um, without creating maybe an overly hostile kind of environment for uh, a privileged environment for maybe one particular tradition over another, so to speak. That's the goal. Well, yes. Yeah, that's the goal. That is not easy to do. Mm -hmm. Not easy at all to do. Uh, Gary, maybe we should just start here. What's a little bit of your spiritual background? How did you become the Pentecostal <laughs> not that Pentecostal, you are today? Baptocostal. Baptocostal that yeah, you are today. Yeah. <laughs> I I grew up in a Brethren Church, Anabaptist, back in central Missouri. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my family home, Brashears Valley, outside of Wheatland, Missouri. There's a Brashears Valley. Brashears Valley. I've got and that's your family. Mm -hmm. wow. Spring Branch Church of the Brethren. And you were allowed to leave that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was encouraged. No, I wasn't encouraged to leave. But I, we moved, our family moved out. But that's my home. That's where I'll be gathered to my father's. Okay. Uh, Sherry and I have our grave sites in the graveyard of Spring Guns Church of the Brethren. Mm -hmm. uh, the five generations of Brashears are there that I know about. I've taken my granddaughter through that, uh, and she's got her spot marked if she wants it. Oh, is that right? It's a, you know, just there's a place there. But Brethren is, is my background. So plain and pacifist is in my genes. Yeah. And from that direction. Uh, but then I moved out in... Very, very shaping for me is at 14, uh, I was in a really a fundamentalist church in Albuquerque, didn't know that. It was just a Christian church, uh, evangelical. And I started asking some questions there, and I thought they were pretty straight-up questions. Um, how do you know the Bible's Word of God? How do you know Jesus is God, by the way? How do you know there is a God? And I was told, in effect, nice Christian boys don't ask questions like mm. that. Well, I knew I was asking the questions, therefore I was defined as not a nice Christian boy, and I was very welcome to accept that definition at 14, arrogant, and all those things. So I kicked out. Church was still the center of my social work. Mm -hmm. My social life was all there. Okay. Uh, I was doing negative evangelism in the church. I was talking negative about the kids out of their faith. Uh, okay. And four years later, I was in despair, headed towards suicide. Oh, man. Because I'm super intense. I was into Ann Rand, if people oh, know yeah. her. Yeah, libertarian uh, kind mm -hmm. of, yeah. Yeah, virtue of selfishness. You get what you earn. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. do it yourself. Don't depend yeah. on anybody. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not up to the God job. And I was in, I was in really in despair. So you just go extreme whichever direction oh, you I go. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And in that process, a new pastor came in. His daughter Kathy Thompson 
uh, I tried my question under the first practicing intelligent Christian I'd been with, uh, and she didn't blow up my questions. She said, let's talk about it. Oh. And her dad, uh, Dick Thompson, uh, turned me on to C.S. Lewis, and then Kathy married the wrong Gary. She married Gary Kroll instead of me. I was very much infatuated with her, but I mean, we're friends still, and she and Gary have got a great relationship in Southern Oregon. And that got me going, and I went back to the foundational document of the okay. church, just like I'd gone to the worldviews, mm-hmm. and that's the Gospels. And I went back and read the Gospels in a very personal kind of way, and I discovered, oh my gosh, look at this Jesus guy. He is amazing. Hmm. Why didn't somebody ever introduce me to him? What a novel idea. Well, in the church, they were preaching doctrinal sermons from Paul, uh, using moral sermons from mm-hmm. Jesus. I mean, it's a fairly common kind of thing. But I'd never been introduced to Jesus as he really was. And that became a foundation. And in that process, I just prayed because I prayed like there, and God spoke. And that's why I'm a Baptocostal. I'm a continuationist. God continues to speak because he did. Hmm. I longer story, went to the Philippines to teach math at Faith Academy, uh, decided I got to get some of the stuff figured out, went to Denver Seminary, Fuller Seminary. And in the process, I'm trying to think, what are the really important questions? Yeah. And diverse group of people. <clears throat> and then I came up here. God made me come up here. I didn't want to, but yep. here I am. Yep. And I began to think, okay, what we need to do teaching theology is we need to focus in what are the very central questions? What are the unifying questions? What are the foundations? And they're the things that are very clearly taught in, in Bible, because I'm a Bible geek all the way. Yeah. And that became a center of things, is what do you do with these very, very central kinds of things, and why are we not talking about those? Why are we fighting over details? And that's what I discovered as I got into <clears throat> more academic theology. It's a lot of fighting over details. A lot of fighting over details, and yeah. I got really tired of it. Yeah. So I quit and went back to being a machinist. No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, what I did there is uh, I had a, I was trying to figure out, you know, some things are more important than others. Sure, yeah. Jesus is God come in the flesh. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Okay, that's a... That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was using my Greek uh, Bible and the footnotes, the textual footnotes have A, B, C, D levels of certainty. Yeah. And so A level is really sure. Your footnotes did of your Bible. Of the Greek Bible, it still does. Okay, gotcha. UBS text has textual footnotes, and gotcha. it's A, B, C, D level oh, okay. of certainty. All right. And I was using that kind of thing. And uh, my friend uh, was telling me, uh, you know, uh, you can do better, like alliterate things. I said, well, Steve, like help me. And he said, well, die for, divide for, debate for, decide for. Use Ds. I mean, help people remember stuff. A, B, C, D, like it's too generic. So I said, okay. Um, Steve Walker, Redeemers, I'll I'll take your advice. And so... So you've rolled with it ever since. Yeah. So the four Ds, I have to give credit to Steve Walker, my good friend down in Roseburg, for giving me the four Ds. That's fantastic. Well, I've given credit to you for a lot of years now. (laughs) I think I brought them up in almost every classroom kind of environment that I've taught them because they've been so helpful. Um, Again, if you catch that, so there's doctrines that we are willing to die for, doctrines that we're willing to divide for. 
And not willing, but we have to do it. We have to. Forward. We're unable to yeah. partner in mission and fellowship yeah. together. You can't be in the same church. Yeah. Because they're just foundational kind yeah. of things. Yeah. Uh, the classic one is sacraments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what Luther and Calvin divided over. Mm-hmm. You know, do you baptize babies or adults? What yeah, is you got, that's mean? a binary choice, mm-hmm. right? Either you are yeah, or you're not. Yeah. And, and there are a few of those, and they divide over them. Does yeah. the Holy Spirit continue to speak today, or is the Bible the only way he speaks today? Mm-hmm. That ends up, in many cases, being a divide for. Yeah. Because you come into a church where you're saying, Holy Spirit, speak to us now, and we wait for him to speak. That does not work in a cessationist environment where they think, no, though, that's... That's uh, to open yourself up to abuse. Right. And uh, so those end up being divide for kind of things. We, we love each other. We can work together in a yeah. lot of things, but we can't be closely aligned in the same church. Yeah. And my goal is to have as few of those as possible. Yeah, sure. And unlike the die for issues, I mean, those are ones, you know, a bullet yeah. goes to your head, you yeah. know, deny this or yeah. else. They aren't, yeah. they aren't the ones necessarily that you would literally die for. Um, yeah. On that level, I mean, mm-hmm. so um, and maybe we can just kind of run through the four yeah. D's in terms of kind of what we mean, and then give some examples yeah. to kind of flush it out. So yeah. we've got die, we've got divide, divide and then what is what do you mean by fellowship? Debate for yeah. We're in the same fellowship. We love each other, laugh together, serve together well. But when you get these kinds of issues, emotions get hot. We start growling at each mm. other. And I really question whether you're a spiritual man or not, yeah. because you disagree with me on right. this. Right. Yeah. The growling and, is fun. Yeah, the, yeah. And you growl <laughs> at each other. I mean, you know, things get going. And, yeah. And it's, you it's, care about. They matter. You care about it. Yeah. These are, and then the decide for is like, who cares? Yeah. And these will vary from place to place. They'll develop. They'll change from time to time. You think issues in terms of which category they fall in? Yep. Or what? Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. My favorite example is raising hands in worship. Okay. Uh, when I came here a long time ago, 1980, we had chapel, and in our chapels, if somebody raised their hands during worship, somebody would go talk to them, what's wrong? Really? But if you're in Portland Bible College, if you didn't raise your hands in worship, somebody would come talk to you, like, what's wrong? <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. I mean, it was a big deal. Pre-trib yeah. rapture was a big deal for mm. many, and it was a divide, it was a divide for. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't believe in pre-trib rapture... Yeah. You know, we just don't, you clearly do not understand the Bible. Yeah. Well, that's all changed now. Whether you raise your hands in worship or not now is more a matter of where you are with God right now and what's your preferred way of expressing worship to him. And to decide for, in most cases, yeah. pre-trib rapture, for most people, like, who cares? You know, it'll all pan out in the end. Yeah. Uh, no, there's some that that's not the case. But so now what was a divide for at one point is now a decide for. Gotcha. Just because certain things rise to... This is a national level of debate. Now we say it's in the blogs, it's on the Twitter feed and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So they'll change just based on issues that go on. Immigration right now is becomes a divide for in mm-hmm. some churches. Yeah, there's probably a variety of political issues mm-hmm. that would be true for. Politics right? and how the yeah. Christian relates to politics often ends up being a divide for. I don't think it ever should be, mm. but it becomes there. Mm. So die for, absolutely certain. Uh, divide for things I'm convinced of, but I could be wrong. Yeah. But it, we just, uh, you know, angry Arminians and cruel Calvinists just yeah. can't get together. Yeah. Uh, debate for, I get really ticked off when I discover you don't buy this because it's so <laughs> important. You know, how are we going to do yeah. it? You know, but we get past it and work it out. Yeah. And the heart of this thing is coming back to remembering what are the die fors what are the central yeah. biblical foundations that's our point of unity 
Because Satan wants to come in and talk about points of division and difference and divide us and make us fragmented right. instead of the unity that comes in that common confession of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And is the goal then to basically try to reduce the number of die-fors? Absolutely. To, to be Not die-fors. And, and divide fours. Divide fours, I want to reduce them. To as as many, as few as possible. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of those are more attitude type things. Hmm. You can have Calvinist Arminians in the same congregation, but when you get somebody that Calvinist is the only right answer, and Arminians, this is the only right answer, they're going to pretty gonna soon, they're, gonna, they're not going to work together well. Yeah. Um, that's a real tension that yeah. I've actually, you know, found in our church as we convey this. So the Holy Spirit one is a is a good issue yep. to to bring up, and especially for our context, as as um, we don't have the Baptist part of the costal. But we, um, <laughs> yeah, well, I guess kind of sort of. Yeah, historically we certainly do. I mean, I started out Baptist. I'm ordained conservative Baptist, so yeah. I'm going to be Baptist costal. But then there's Baptist and Baptist, <laughs> and I'm a Baptist. Gotcha. Well, I definitely I married a Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> good choice. I married. Yeah, so it's your a very kids good are choice. definitely Baptocostal. That's very true, actually. <laughs> yeah, we so we've we've laid out, you know, in terms of the Holy Spirit of of the idea of a cessationist worldview that the Spirit, you know, no longer is empowering the the spiritual gifts or no longer can can speak to us, you know, outside of Scripture. We lay that out as a divide for issue for us, but we've had a lot of people over the years that don't, you know, they they are cessationists, like they don't buy right. into and they don't really know what to do with the Holy Spirit stuff, I'm not sure what they think about it. And so sometimes when they hear me talk about that as a divide for issue for us, they assume that it means get out of our church. Um, when in reality, like for me, it just means, well, if you really want to lead and teach and start shaping, you know, people and what right. they think on this issue, this is this is how we're going to do it. Right. Um, but in terms of fellowship and you know, what we do together, you being a part, you know, like absolutely. At whatever point you you start wanting to leading or communicating right. or maybe the better way is influencing or petitioning for the other side, mm -hmm. maybe that's where the problem is going to come yeah. in. And what would happen, I agree with you completely there, is your teaching of the church will be the Holy Spirit speaks together today. We need to learn how to hear him, discern what's going on, test, is it really the Holy Spirit yes. or something else, mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. Yep. And that's going to be the teaching of the church. Somebody says, no, we need to say that stopped. The only place to hear God is in Scripture. Uh, that's not going to be a teaching of the church, but somebody in the church may hold that. Yeah. Uh, and so what you've got is you've got to divide for at the leadership level. You don't have a divide for at the fellowship level. Yeah. But if you get somebody that's a absolutely this is a highly emotional issue, and they can't, every time they hear you saying the Holy Spirit, can they feel compelled to say, no, he doesn't. Yeah. Let me give you my copy of Strange Fire. You yeah, know, sure. <laughs> uh, okay, you need to go to another fellowship, because you're being divisive That's in right. context. That's right. Yeah. That, uh, it seems to be whether or not both, you know, the member of the church and the leadership of the church are, are willing to deal with that tension, you right. know? And I feel like there's there's certainly an immaturity in membership a lot of times that maybe the finger seems to get pointed at. And my my world as a leader, that's kind of what you hear a lot about. And we talk a lot about, oh, these members are divisive and they're always yeah. causing problems, a.k.a. just saying things we disagree with. Sometimes we call problems, you know. Uh, leaders need to settle down because people yeah, get to that's express right. their thing. That's, that's how right. you learn and teach together. And healthy leadership should actually allow for that. Absolutely. That's okay. We have to, just like you were saying, like when you had all the questions that right. you had, there were some die-for issues that you were there questioning, were. and people should be allowed to question that, talk through that, um, and there should be space within the community for them to not be on board with all of that yet, so there's space and room for right. them to figure it out. Yep. And that's where, 
on that particular issue, the nature of the question is critical. Yeah. Uh, what I was doing, I mean, I was honestly looking at stuff back in that day, <clears throat> and I, I was questioning, you know, like a lot of people do when something comes up, and I was really looking for answers, and I was being ruled out of the conversation, and that I don't, that's a really bad idea. There's another type of questioning, and I just go to the Liturgist podcast, mm-hmm. and these are guys who are just asking questions, but they're asking with destructive intent, it mm-hmm. seems to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like serpent in the garden in Genesis chapter three. I'm just asking yeah, questions. Oh, oh gosh! But what they're doing is they're trying to destroy. Oh Gary, with their you're questions. tapping my pet peeves. Here. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I'm and just see, asking there, questions. There are just questions ask... and there are questions. There's and an, one oh, is intended gosh. to destroy. Yeah. And one is intended to seek understanding. And you've got to be able to discern the difference between those two because a lot of the people that are die for issues will never take a position openly. Mm-hmm. They'll just, I'm just asking questions. Why are you getting so ticked off? Yeah. And it's because their intent is not to ask questions. Their intent is, they're not seeking understanding. They're seeking to tear down. That's right. And they want to lead people Cause confusion out. and yep. doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and others. I, I deal with a lot of that. They're not trying to sort it out in their own head. They're, they're trying to disturb other yep. people. Yeah. Yep. And that's the leadership thing is protect people, sheep and wolves, or wolves and sheep's clothing. They look like they're are honest, but they're really ravenous wolves. And that's where the leaders have to protect the flock yeah. from that sort of thing. Yeah, that is a, that's a really good tension for sure. So that's a divi- that's a die for. Mm-hmm. And I don't say people shouldn't listen to things like liturgist podcasts and things like that, uh, but they should be shepherded through that. Because mm-hmm. I, I listen to anything, talk about anything, but remember what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think it's important to keep an open mind, but the important, I think the significance of an open mind is that it can eventually close on us, it right. can grapple onto yeah. something, right? Like your mouth when you eat, like an open mouth is meant to actually close down and consume it. A perpetual <laughs> open mind isn't actually going, you know, is actually committed to something right. beyond, you know, trust or belief yeah. of any kind. And when somebody's speaking with an authoritative voice, they should say, this is who I am. Mm. And uh, that, that to me is a question, or a way to discern the nature of a question is, okay, this is your question, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just, I'm just asking questions. Listen, you've got a PhD in New Testament. <laughs> You're not just asking questions yeah. or something like that. Yeah. That's the die for level. And there's dangerous people, and there's quite a few of them in our world today that mm-hmm. are just, well, I'm just asking questions. Or they're just doing despair type things. Mm-hmm. And that's the die for kind of things, because we believe in hope and joy yeah. that come in the gospel. Yeah. And uh, But in that context, there's room for a ton of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Honest, fair minded yeah. questions, 100%. Mm-hmm. And wrestling hard yes. with that. Yeah. So the die for, these are the foundational truths God is triune, Scripture is authoritative. Uh, there are a lot of people that make the Bible an old-fashioned book that I go back and I pick things that are wise. Well, mm-hmm. the authority is me, not Bible, mm-hmm. and that's that's that you can't do that, mm-hmm. not long term. Mm-hmm. Jesus is God, Emmanuel. Salvation is a gift given by God, justification. But then we join Him in covenant partnership in His mission. There's judgment of people: Are you loyal to Jesus or not? Those kinds of things are foundational, die for type things. Yeah, great, really, really good. Um, Gary, how about uh, some examples of some things that you would say are the debate for issues? Like, what are some <laughs> kind of relevant ones that will we, get we you just, growling? But we, nest, we, we just had a forum together. in our church because uh, we've been teaching. We're starting to teach through Genesis, 
So what's in Genesis chapter 1? Well, it's the days of creation. So <laughs> when Jay preached that, he said, hey, we're going to talk about this. We're not going to talk about, any named about four questions. We're going to have a forum upstairs, and you guys can come up and be a part of that. Well, guess who's leading the forum? Me. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I'm in there, you know, and how old is the earth? Yep. How old is the universe? Yep, right. And that's one of those growly questions. Yeah, sure. And we have in my church some ardent, committed, hardcore young earth creationists. Okay. We have some ardent, committed, hardcore, old earth creationists, and they're all in the same room. Yep. And I've got a Bible up in front, and we're talking about stuff. And the point is there is to hear each other, recognize we agree God created. The question is, how did he do it, and how long did it take him? Yeah. It's not creation. Well, the young earth creationists tend to say, anybody in the young earth creationists, you're an evolutionist, you don't believe in the Genesis account. Right. Stop You're undermining it. the Bible, undermining yeah. the authority yeah. of Scripture. And that's yeah. where I say, stop it. You must hear what the other person is saying. What they're not saying is naturalistic evolution. Mm -hmm. You're attacking somebody that's not them. You must, must, yeah. must, must hear the other person, what they're actually saying. You're strawmanning. Yep. Yeah, which is the idea of basically creating a caricature yep. of an opposing argument that's really easy for you to yep. knock down with yours. Mm -hmm. What I've really appreciated about you, Gary, is every time I hear you present issues, you steal man, you basically find the best possible Absolutely. Um, best possible case of, a, of an Absolutely. opposing argument, and then you interact with that. Yep. In fact, there's a few times, I know that in, in uh, my first couple of years of being in your classroom, I think part of that young immaturity, not that I'm still not young and immature, but um, <laughs> you you want to find things that you feel like you're different than and better than as a leader sometimes. And so you find views and you like to knock down. And I remember I tried a couple of knockdown attempts, you know, and you said, well, actually, and you actually stuck up for people that I know you didn't agree with, right. uh, but you said, well, but that's not what he really believes. Right. You know, that's not what that church really believes. That's not what this movement actually does. And uh, you were constantly pointing back to the best case examples yeah. out of these movements versus the worst case examples. Right. And that's a really important thing it's to do. Very important. When you're looking at these controversial debate four questions or divide four questions, don't go for the straw man. Yeah. Don't make a Calvinist a fatalist. Don't make a, a continuation of somebody that every voice is automatically the voice of God. Mm -hmm. uh, don't make the young earth creation somebody who despises science. Don't make the old earth creation somebody who's really into naturalistic evolution. You've got to hear the best proponents. Yeah. And a lot of times the people are speaking need to get better at understanding what they're saying. We can differ with these things, I think, but we should do it respectfully and really understand what the other person... But the thing is, keep coming back to what do we agree on. Yes. And before you can disagree, okay, here are... Let's explore three things we... Let's explore these things we agree on. Okay, we agree on... Okay, yeah, we agree on that. Yeah, we agree on that. I was a part of a thing we called the Rogue Fellowship back in the 80s. And it was made of both of rogues, me one of them, <laughs> and we met down at uh, Ray Stedman's house down on the Rogue River. Okay. And Ray was a part of that. And our goal was, on some of these hot-button issues, to say nothing, 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 where the group in the room disagreed. Mm, interesting. What do we all agree is true, and what do we all agree is false? Okay. I was astounded. How much commonality? How much was. commonality. And we had all the way from pretty hardcore fundamentalist Church of Christ people to, I mean, pushing progressive uh, as we call it today, and every, we had Baptists, we had Pentecostals, we had uh, a whole crowd of people, and there were 10 or 12 of us in the room, depending on who was there. I was stunned when he said, nope, 
We cannot argue about the stuff we disagree about. We can only say, where do we agree? And it was astounding hmm. uh, how much we could actually agree on. So little energy is put into that right. these days. Yep. So I mean, everything is a straw man, and yep. everything is trying to find points of contention and disagreement, and it feels like we're ignoring the obvious. This isn't just church. This is culture at large as well. We're yep. ignoring the obvious elephant in the room oftentimes that we all agree with. Um, yeah. Seems and that unity common. that comes, that you, the Ephesians 4.3 is one of my 74 life verses. <laughs> Make every effort to maintain the unity of yeah. the Spirit. And that comes from keeping coming back to what is our point of commonality. That means work hard at it. Work hard at it. Make yeah. every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And this, the chaos monster, Satan, is exactly in the opposite. Well, that guy isn't very spiritual. Look what he believes. Yeah. And then we start disrespecting and despising the other person, and Satan wins, and I don't want Satan to win. And you brought up the point of how the young earth, old earth creationist tension, how, just as an example, the young earth creationists were trying to make this about a respect for the Bible or authority of the Bible sort of an issue, which is that is the tendency that I think everyone does, is they want to take... Maybe they'll be happy to agree with your four Ds, but they want to elevate all the issues from the bottom up, and they want to take something that should be a decide for, make it a debate for, debate, make it divide, and so they always want to elevate, whereas I've heard you say oftentimes, you want to do as much as you can to shove every issue as far down as it will go. Yep. Yeah. Beyond the die fours. Yeah. And I want as few divide Well, make sure it's not a make sure it's not a die for to get we get a divide on those. Yeah. Right. But the debate for or the debate fours, we don't have to fight over those things. Yeah. Because well let's get together and fight. Yeah. No, let's get together and pray. Yeah. First uh, Timothy two eight is talking about men. Uh, don't use your use your holy hands for prayer, not for punching each other. <laughs> and uh, yeah, let's get together and talk about what we agree on. Yeah, and do mission together. Yeah. And there's a point where we disagree. We can deal with it, but th- that's a that's a secondary level. Yeah, make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit. And then we get into those things. Do it respectfully and openly. One of my favorite phrases is, is places I hold pretty strongly, like I'm a continuationist. Mm-hmm. I hold that strongly. I get I get growly at, at functional cessationists, mm-hmm. people that say, well, I know God speaks, but it's really messy, so I'm not going to go there. And I get really growly. I get angry. Mm-hmm. Listen, if God speaks, figure it out. Don't <laughs> sub it back on the... And I, I get growly. Yeah, don't at punt it. I really on that. Do. Yeah. Uh, but what my... The phrase I use all the time is, listen, remember, good and godly people connect those dots in different ways. Yeah. I can remember, I disagree with the passion, and I disagree with them passionately, but they're good and godly people. We're on mm. the same team. We're serving together. Let's remember, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit, even when I think they're idiots. Yeah. That same spirit can apply outside the church as well, oh, yeah. can it? Like, Absolutely. How have, have, how have you seen these four Ds help you just in dialogue you know, with, with people beyond church walls? Uh, we're in a very, very, very politicized atmosphere right now. Everything becomes political. And uh, one of the things I want to do is just tell people, you know, the political stuff, what's going on back in Washington, is most of it really has no actual impact on us. Mm. So think about what is the impact on me with the current debate that's going on in, in Washington. Uh, and most of it, there is no impact on me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're drawn into what Trump said to Pelosi or vice versa, uh, and we get to arguing because oh, I'm more with Trump, I'm more with Pelosi, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any impact on my life today as a believer in Jesus Christ living in me in Portland, you in Corvallis. Yeah. 
don't waste your time on things that you don't have responsibility or influence in. Uh, Satan wants to draw us into irrelevant debates. That's the foolish controversies, say, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, don't do it. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Let's not get off into the debating of this thing, mm-hmm. uh, because it really doesn't impact us. Focus on what we do together. That has been a real help to me. Yeah. So investing a lot of energy where you don't have any responsibility. That's correct. If I don't have responsibility or influence, yeah. don't put any energy into That's it. That's a really profound thought. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just trying to think of how much misdirected anger and vitriol yeah. <laughs> go away yeah. with what that principle alone. And, uh, and how, up, how empowering that is to think, well, where do I have responsibility or yes, influence? Yes. And then actually give your energy there. And it disempowers us to do things that really matter because I'm too busy reading all the blogs about this or that issue that I'm right. really into. You know, who should win the country music award or something like that, or talking about various people on sports teams. Not that you'd ever do anything like that. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have no opinions on sports, Gary. Right. You know me. <laughs> Uh, and, and I mean, I'm not saying don't get involved in sports at all, but don't get your identity out of sure. that, that, you know, and so those are the kinds of things, uh, invest your energy. One of my, another life verse is that whatever is good and true and noble and good report of Philippians 5, 4, 8, think on those things. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly, especially in today's world with the Twitter world, we're constantly being dragged off into irrelevant information. Yeah. And what that does is keep us from really investing in the beauty and the goodness in the mission that God wants us to do. Yeah. Um, so decide for was the final category. Right. Uh, and I always struggled to come up with a good examples for, I don't care, you know, like, you know, maybe an interesting afterthought and in some, yeah. some evening, but I don't really care. Do you have any good examples of that? I, one that in my context is a, is a decide for that in other contexts isn't is whether or not you drink alcoholic beverages. Okay. Uh, yeah, somewhat that is very not decide for right. in a lot of places yeah. I know. Yeah. I grew up and we read the Church Covenant regularly, mm-hmm. and in there I will neither uh, consume nor distribute alcoholic beverage. I don't remember the exact wording, but it was something like that, and it was it was absolutely in the in the context. To me, it's do it or don't. Clearly, don't get you know a buzz. Don't get drunk. Buzz sure. driving is drunk driving. Sure, uh, but whether you have a glass of wine with your dinner or not, it's. It's strictly a decide for for me. Now, I realize for a lot of people that's more than a decide for, uh, but I think we should keep it down to that level. Do what's right for you. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm a Southern Baptist pastor, the Baptist Faith and Mission says I can't do that. Mm-hmm. If I'm part of certain college context, I taught at Biola for a while. At that point, we had a community thing that said you couldn't consume or dance. Well, when I was in that community, I followed that. Hmm. Uh, so those are the kind. That's it's an a example. sad thing that the world was mm-hmm. deprived of your dance moves, Gary. <laughs> well, <laughs> especially under the influence of alcohol. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Bible translations, another thing. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed how many people will take a Bible translation as an indicator of your spirituality. Uh, yeah, sure. You use the never inspired version. Mm, oh my god, the nearly inspired yeah. version. Yes, or, yeah, or you use. <laughs> you know, and you know, I, what I try to do is don't even make those jokes. Mm-hmm. Instead, speak to the strengths of different translations. Yeah. I have my preferences, but it's just a preference. Keep it at that level. Yep. And, and if you, if you, anyone who's anyone 
that really knows how to seriously study scripture knows that there's actually really incredible value in cross-referencing yeah. all the different translations. Yeah, very much. Because it helps to highlight some of the um, translation difficulties in different passages. Mm-hmm. So there's value, even if you don't love one translation versus another, there's yeah. value to all of them. Another thing that should be decided for is what kind of songs you sing in your morning worship service. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, I, I hear constantly people make all kinds of despising remarks about you don't do enough hymns, do too many hymns, you mm. use drums, you don't use drums, mm-hmm. you use... Uh, I've got very strong opinions on some of these things. Uh, but th- those kinds of songs, let's look at what's good in those songs mm-hmm. and different styles and such. Does it really lead us into worship of God? But recognize heart language of some people, it... Uh, it just, they can't enter into worship because it's not my heart language. Yeah. So I can participate, but it's not really my heart language. Yeah. And those kinds mm-hmm. of things recognize there's deep emotional commitment that comes out. When I sing my heart language, my whole being goes into it. Yeah. When I sing some of the songs that aren't my style, I'll sing them, but it doesn't speak my heart language. Sure. But I can't despise somebody else That's right. for doing that. And that should stay as a divide or as a debate for, so get it right, decide, decide for. for. Mm-hmm. I heard of getting into worship wars, which yeah. are still alive and well. Sure. I, I heard a great quote from a friend one time that said that you, when it comes to worship music, pre, you know, that you're welcome to your preferences, but not your prejudices. <laughs> yeah. Um, that because I prefer, mm-hmm. great, prefer whatever you want, but don't think that you can't, you know, engage with God or worship God through this yeah. equally as you could through your preference, or that this isn't really going to impact someone else in a significant way, you yeah. know? So, Another decide for, should you tuck your shirt in when you preach or not? Oh, geez, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that should be... Do you be, respect that's, God or that's, not? <laughs> that's somewhere below decide for. <laughs> well, for some people, it, I it know, isn't. I know, I know. I forget, yeah. I didn't grow up in church, so some of these kind of... Uh, I'm oblivious to some yeah. of these kinds of debates, because church didn't exist before the year 2000 for me. You know, it's just kind of where it all came into focus. <laughs> well, I want to keep... Remember, it doesn't really make any difference whether, whether you... Where your shirt untucked or yep. tucked or unbuttoned or buttoned, sure. whether you were a tie or not, yeah. that is a cultural context in a particular church. Yep. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, let's. Uh, how about this? I'm I'm really curious about this. This is maybe the hot button issue going yep. on in the culture right now. But gender and sexuality yep. are really big. Um, and what do you do with that? I've had probably the most questions I get whenever we talk about the four Ds. Is where exactly does the whole you know gender and sexuality questions fall mm-hmm. in, in the in the in like the, a lot the of these different things come at different levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, my judgment: the biblical definition of marriage is one man, one woman, husband and wife for life. Mm-hmm. That is the biblical standard. Mm-hmm. And when somebody says, "Well, that's not really the biblical standard." I, I think that's a die for type thing. Really? That the Bible, high? That, one, that marriage mm-hmm. is one man, one woman, husband and wife. That simple life. statement. It's, it's taught from Genesis to 1 Peter. Yeah. And Jesus, and Jesus clearly quoted it. Yeah. Clearly. Mm-hmm. And when somebody says, well, you know, you, know, you could. Uh, no, that is the standard. It doesn't mean we meet the standard. But when somebody starts clearly changing not. the standard. Mm-hmm. I think that's a much higher level. I do. Now, again, there are people who disagree with me, mm-hmm. but I think that's the standard. So you get into issues of divorce, you get into the issues of same-sex marriage, those kinds of things. I think divorce is always a product of sin. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that everybody who's divorced is a sinner, 
but it's always a product of sin, and you have got to deal with the sin involved in that. That's mm-hmm. a very unpopular view with some, but I think I can defend it biblically. Mm-hmm. It's not just two people that casually grew apart, and right. then, you know, that somewhere, some along on the way, sin happened. Yep. Yeah. And that sin may be just a, refu- uh, a lack of interest honoring the vows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, for better or for worse, till death alone shall part us is a vow that everybody makes when they do a more traditional wedding. And when marriage falls apart or there's abuse that comes in or adultery, whatever it is that kills a marriage, that happens. I don't think divorce is the unforgivable sin, but I think it's always a product of sin. Yeah. And, and yeah, the other thing that you say, just because it's clearly sin, it seems like the most no-brainer thing in the world to say the sin had to be involved, you know? Yep. And it. then sin can be just a failure to follow through on the vow. It doesn't mean that you hit sure. somebody or something. But like it that. also doesn't, in some cases, it also doesn't mean that therefore, um, like, uh, like I think I know I know certain marriages where divorce was you know um, the healthiest and and right option at some point. At some point, sin has done so much damage, or it's such an abusive yeah. you know situation that divorce is just it's the only. So it it doesn't mean to say that like that someone should be held into an abusive yeah. marriage. See what so I think is you get, is you get where I'm going with that. There are things that kill a marriage. Mm-hmm. I. And abuse can be one of those things. Hard, hard. The three we find in Scripture are unfaithfulness, adultery, hard-heartedness, or abandonment. Mm-hmm. Those are the three that are specifically mentioned. And I've seen people where there's just a hard-heartedness that comes in, and my heart is no longer soft toward my spouse. Yeah. And really, the marriage is dead. Yeah. Does that mean that they should move toward a legal divorce? Not necessarily. Right. But divorce is just recognizing that the marriage is dead and cannot be resurrected. Yeah. And that, in our culture, people kick out of marriage too quickly. It For seems sure. To me. No question. But that, uh, so uh, uh, one of the uh, hot button issues can a divorced person be remarried biblically? Mm-hmm. And that's a spot where there's a lot of differentiation. I was just in a conversation earlier today with a woman who's out of an abuse situation, who's in the process of divorce, and she said, I know what that means. I said, what do you mean? She said, it means I'll never be married again. And my response is, I gave her my card and said, give me a call. (laughs) Uh, I don't think that's true. I I think that somebody who has done their work and such, done with the dealing with sin and forgiveness and cleansing, could be remarried, mm-hmm. but it's not a for sure kind mm-hmm. of thing. Sure. So those are, and that, but that's a spot where I mean, that be, it becomes a divide for type thing. So within for, these big, huge categories, and obviously I dropped this huge, big category. Within right. those categories, we have to be careful to separate right. all the individual yep. issues that comprise different them, levels of and things. they all fall at different mm-hmm. levels. The uh, what uh, the whole issue of same sex type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I my view is. Uh, scripture all the way through says any sexual relationship outside of biblical marriage is sin. Mm-hmm. And that's whether it's pornography or adultery or tender hookup or same sex, other sex, if it's outside of biblical marriage, it's sin. Mm-hmm. But some sins are worse than others. Uh, two men loving, faithful, getting married, I'm never going to say, yes, that's a God-blessed thing, but it's way better than a man and a woman in a violent, mm. uh, hurtful, hitting each other kind of relationship, sure. in my judgment. Sure. Uh, the person who's doing pornography has 
horrible and destructive that is, is not as bad as somebody's down at the strip clubs mm. being involved in the back rooms. And I mean, there are different levels yeah, of these sure. things. And for some people, they're saying, no, it's all, all sin is sin. Yeah, I think that's one of the most and, ridiculous uh, statements. Yeah. It is sin, but some sins are worse than others. Yeah, clearly that, the consequences and effects and ramifications and damage it does yeah. to your life and the lives of others, that varies. So what happens where this becomes a difficult issue is what happens when parents of a, a teenager and the teenager says, hey, mom, I'm, I'm gay. Uh, what do you do at that spot? And that's where for some, uh, any same-sex desire is just sin. Any desire that's not a godly desire is sin desire. So you look at that kid and say, kid, you're sinning that you got same-sex desire. I would say, no, that's a disordered desire because there's a, definitely a male friendship that's a very good kind of thing. And when you try to use that male friendship in a sexual kind of way, I think that's sin. It's a disordered desire. But the desire is a disordered desire. It's a good desire worked in the wrong way. And that ends up becoming a pretty hot debate. Mm. And that, to me, is a debate for kind of thing, mm -hmm. but it's a very, very significant kind of thing, transgender yeah. type stuff. Yeah, we're not debating the actions, the sexual actions at that point. Well, some but, are. Well, yeah, but, but what, you're what you're talking yeah. about right now is not the sexual actions themselves, right. but just the desires. That's correct. And whether someone should feel the shame and condemnation right. for just even having the desire. Because right. we all, everyone has disordered desires yep. of some kind and sort, especially sexually, we all have yep. disordered desires. Well, not me. Well, aside from you, <laughs> aside from <laughs> if you believe that, I've got a piece of a bridge I went in San Francisco. Yeah, it must you. have been uh, abstaining from all that dancing back <laughs> in the day. <laughs> I kept you from it. Yeah, yeah, but see, that's a place where I would say that desires, same-sex desires, or disordered other sex desires. Yeah, the high libido guy who always is dressing men, women in his mind. Those are those are desires. When I start fantasizing those desires mm -hmm. or start acting on them, now I'm indulging in sin. But to have those desires and say, no, I can't go there. Holy Spirit, be powerful in my life. And getting some friends around that I could say, oh, man, this is tough for me right now. Yeah. Well, pray for me and support me and give me a call and say, how you doing? And we actually have solidarity there, no Absolutely. matter how you sexually identify at that point. Absolutely. Yeah, Whether it's other sex or same sex is not yeah. the issue. It's how do I deal with it in the power of the Holy Spirit, I think. Yeah. Isn't it Martin Luther that talked about, like, I can't control the birds from flying around my head, but I can control when they make a nest in my yeah. hair or something yeah. like that? Yeah. 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 I don't want any birds pooping on my head, actually, <laughs> but I definitely not. Well, I, I don't have to worry about, you know, making nests in my hair because I don't have that much hair. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess where, uh, is there anything else that you would say according to the lines of, um, uh, you know, the gender sexuality debate and like where it can, where it needs to fall, you know, below a divide for issue? Mm -hmm. the, um, hmm. the, the biggest, hottest issue right now, and one that I try to speak to regularly, is we have in our culture a definition of what masculine means. Mm -hmm. And masculine is aggressive, uh, likes to hit things, likes to break things, kind of a violent masculinity. Control things. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's a biblical picture of masculinity. Uh, and what we do is we have certain things, well, that's what a man does. And so a man is somebody who likes sports, a man is like somebody who likes to go out and, you know, burn red meat and all that kind of stuff. Burn red meat? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and if, if you've got a, I'm thinking of a particular friend of mine mm-hmm. who's very artistic. Uh, he he loves poetry. He loves ballet dancing. The idea of killing something is absolutely repulsive to him. He mm-hmm. has no interest in going hitting somebody on a sports field mm-hmm. or anything like that. And he's a manly man. Yeah, he just not what culture often thinks of. And he was actually his one of his friends say, "Well, you're gay, aren't you?" He's not gay at all. Hmm. But because he's artistic and compassionate, well, that must that's feminine. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah. That's person. Yeah. One of my favorite things is ask, okay, what is the first thing that Paul says about common humanity in Colossians 3.12? And, of course, nobody ever knows because they don't memorize that ver- version, but the first thing it says is compassionate. Hmm. And see, the first thing for a godly man is he would be compassionate. Hmm. But see, in American stuff, we don't typically think of the first identity point of a man Not at all. he's compassionate. Yeah. We think he's you know, protective or initiating or um, something like that. Same thing for women. Uh, we think of tomboys. You like to get out and bang around on the sports field and that kind of stuff. That doesn't mm-hmm. make them masculine. It doesn't make them tomboys. It means they're women who enjoy competitive sports. Yeah. And what we tend to do is we tend to make certain stereotypes, and you fit that stereotype, then you're gay, mm. or you're something like that. Or you, or you're just, or you don't fit this gender norm, therefore you must fit the other gender yep. norm, or yep. yeah, yeah, or we make sexuality, or create um, different categories for gender, yeah. Or, yeah. or yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a wide variety of the way you express the fact that I'm a man, mm-hmm. but there's a common humanity behind that, and I that's a very complicated discussion. It has relate to this whole divide for debate for kind of thing, yeah. Because we've made divide fours and binaries in places that's really much more complex than that. Yeah, that's that's well said. Yeah, tricky stuff. Very. Yeah, <laughs> we've uh, opened up a whole can of worms here. We're not going to close in this podcast. Nah, we're not going. We don't even worry about closing <laughs> anything, Gary. It's the internet, you know. And oh, totally. Just leave it out there. Uh, no, but this is this has been this has been really helpful, uh, Gary. What are what if you were just to just speak to people in terms of how to implement kind of these kind of four D sort of mentality? Um, what's what's some of the best things that you've learned over the years in terms of really creating um, just unity and really understanding people and uh, and kind of employing these principles in their life or leadership? Biggest thing for me is come back and say what are the very clear teachings in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And if I'm looking at stuff and I'm seeing scriptural clarity, then I need to have that high up on the list. Uh, when I look at things and I'm finding scripture, if well, one of my famous questions now, where's that in the Bible? Mm-hmm. And if you can't go to a spot in the Bible where it clearly says that, then it can't be a die for, and it probably shouldn't be a divide for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to me, that's a big thing is I want to do my very high level of commitments on what the Bible speaks to clearly. And where the Bible doesn't speak clearly, I want to make it much lower levels. And in places where, uh, say, the Calvinist Arminian type things, mm-hmm. I can find really good verses for Calvinist view. I can find really good verses for Arminian view. Mm-hmm. What that says is there's a place where you can connect dots in different ways, or you can be a good and godly person, come out like me, and be a Calvinian. <laughs> uh, but we no, we're not going to fight over that. We're not going to divide over that. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a helpful thing is use the scriptural clarity and emphasis so we keep the main things the main things. Mm-hmm. And the main things are the thing the scripture emphasizes. Do justice, be compassionate, uh, go for the, the 
widow, the orphan, be caring in their life. The test is how do you treat the widow and the orphan, not how you treat the rich guy. Yeah. In fact, if you treat the rich guy in a wrong way, Jesus says you will not be in the kingdom yeah. because you're giving preference to somebody for worldly standards, not for God's standards. God's heart is for the marginalized. Do I care for the marginalized or do I and not? And those are tests that I look at that are important. Oh, this is really good. This has been really helpful. My hope in even having this conversation, Gary, is I, as much uh, angst there is out in the culture right now, and especially in the church, especially over a lot of these hot topic issues, I'm hoping this helps to def- diffuse some of that, because there is a lot of conversation to be had and a lot of nuance that we can bring to things. And even as leaders in, in churches, even when we're dealing with really difficult situations right. and, and topics and issues, I think there there's ways to invest our energy um, into the realms of agreement, and there's ways to be charitable with each other. Um, and uh, I think the church has a real opportunity right now as the culture gets far more divided and tribal. Man, we've got an incredible resource yeah. you know, in the gospel to present a picture of what unity and diversity look simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and so this, to me, it feels like, oh, what is the church going to do? I f- well, I feel like the opportunity is only getting greater at this time. Feed on love and hope and joy, those kind of things. I mean, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom is about love, joy, peace in the spirit. Let's focus on those things. Yeah, absolutely. Let's focus on the unity that we have in Jesus and the joy we have in that. And we become very countercultural in a very attractive kind of way. Especially when we can look across you know, the street or the city to the other communities that we don't agree and maybe can even, maybe they are divide for issues that we're, that we're separated on, but we can still say, but I'm glad they're here. Yep. And they're an expression of Jesus that's valuable and important. And I don't have the corner on the market on everything in this thing. Jesus is really what matters. And so we can speak favorably, um, even of people that we have some relatively serious disagreements with. Perfect. Yeah. Good stuff. Gary, thanks so much for your time. Really yeah. appreciate it. And uh, happy travels. Where are you headed to? San Jose. I'm headed down there this evening, teaching a class there all day tomorrow, a bunch of cohort classes like you were in the past, a bunch of, I mean, very disrespectful. They will not (laughs) shut up and take notes. They demand to ask questions. But wait a minute, what about, and we have a blast. Yes, many, many rabbit trails, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember those days. Thanks a lot, Gary. Appreciate your time, and happy teaching. Yep.